Hey everybody, before we get started today, we have some vital news for Apple Podcast listeners. In case you haven't heard, Apple recently did another update. This update kicked a lot of our followers off the show and paused notifications for new episodes. It even happened to some of our own team members, so you definitely want to check out your settings. To see if this happened to you, open your podcast app, search for the 200% Life, and select the show page. In the top right corner, you may see either a follow button or a pause symbol. Tap either one of those to make sure you are following the show and getting new downloads. This really helps you by making sure new episodes show up in your feed so you never miss an episode. It also makes sure new episodes are downloaded to your phone so you can listen to them when you're not connected to Wi-Fi. It's also really helpful to us. When you follow the show, the algorithm helps us spread the 200% life philosophy to new listeners. This is true for other platforms as well. So while you're at it, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or another favorite platform, please be sure to hit the follow, subscribe, or like button. This helps us reach new listeners and teach them how to use business as a conduit for their personal growth. And as always, we'd love to hear any questions you'd like us to cover on the show. Maybe it's a situation you're struggling with personally, or a topic you think would be helpful to a friend. You can drop your questions in the Q&A box in the show notes on Spotify, or you can email us at hello at adamhergenrother.com. And don't forget to turn on your notifications to be alerted when we cover them. What I know for sure, Adam, is every iconic dreamer that I've ever interviewed and myself that has been on a journey to greatness, achievement, it always requires at some point a willing yes to that stretch. And so I want the the listeners that that are listening, you're going to have to have a willing yes to that stretch. Now, what that stretch may look like for you, you will know. And and the way that you will know is, one, it's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. It's the area that you probably will become fearful and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. Um, Maybe I should go back and just stay doing what I'm currently doing. But you have to be courageous enough to be willing to step into the stretch to start realizing the dreams that are within your heart. Hey everybody, I'm Adam Hergenrother and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today I am joined by a special guest, Tanisha Jackson Warner. Tanisha is the founder and CEO of one of the nation's most successful multicultural marketing and communications firms, Igami Group. Her book, The Big Stretch, 90 Days to Expand Your Dreams, Crush Your Goals, and Create Your Own Success is a soul-searching, life-transforming 12-week boot camp that reveals how to get from where you are to where you dream to be in life and in business. Her firm was named by Forbes as one of America's best PR firms in 2020. And I think you'll uh, love the concepts that we get into how to break down the phases and what to expect when you're moving outside of your comfort zone. And I know that all of our our audience is going to love the interaction that Tanisha and I have. So enjoy the show. Tanisha, thank you so much for joining us today. We're super excited to have you. Um, I loved reading and researching about you, and I just know that you're going to be very moving for our audience. I would love to start our conversation with you decided to go down this tech path and really kind of um, dive yourself into that. And then at some point, 
something triggered, something came up, a congruence within you, something moved you. Can you kind of walk us through? I'm always fascinated with that moment that people have, you know, this, this either a visceral feeling, this, this aha moment, or did it build up? So can you walk us through that path? Yes. And Adam, thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Um, So for me, Adam, when I graduated college, I chose a career in uh, technology for one reason, and that was the earning potential. Hmm. Um, And I landed a job at IBM Global Services, which was a phenomenal company. And I was climbing the corporate ladder. And so I think for me, it wasn't one moment, it was a series of many moments. And so about three or four years into the job, I noticed that on Sunday, I had a routine. I didn't want to go to work on Monday. And two, I would call my parents and start complaining. Oh, I don't want to go in. Da, 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 da. And my, and thank goodness, my parents actually disrupted, like interrupted the, the, the madness. They uh, said to me that I couldn't call them on Sundays anymore and complain that if I didn't like my job and my career to do something about it. And that was really one of the jolting moments of, oh, wow, if, yeah. if I don't like it, I can do something about it. The second big thing that led to an aha, I was working on my master's and there was a professor by the name of Dr. Charlie Bison. And he gave us an assignment where he wanted us to examine all of our major decisions in life up until that point and what was like the driving factor behind that decision. And I mapped out all of my major choices and the driving factor behind that choice usually was tied to money or earning potential. And I had a big aha that I was trying to design a life based on what I didn't want to experience. Like I just... I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to be, (laughs) I didn't want to struggle. Um, I had experienced, you know, what that looked like growing up and and, and not like bad struggle, but struggle. Yes. And that was a big aha for me that I was designing a life based on what I didn't want, but not designing a life that actually took in regard passion, purpose. And I made my mind up when I wrote that paper and turned it in. I am going to redesign a life where I allow purpose and passion to sit in the driver's seat of my decisions. I, I love the way you said that. So there's a bunch of different directions we could take this. How do you, how does somebody, if they're listening say like, I want, I want passion and to drive or purpose to drive of my life. What does that feel like? What is it? How do you experience that in your life? I think people struggle with big um, esoteric terms where they can't grasp themselves. So could you help us kind of break that down in terms of what does it yeah. feel like? What is it to be in that driver's seat? Just what is it? What is the when rubber hits the road? Like, what does that what does that look like? What does it feel like? Well, first, it requires you to be intentional to spend time with yourself. I say spend time with the dreamer in the mirror. You have to be so intentional to spend the time with yourself and ask some hard questions. Um, Am I on a path that is bringing me fulfillment? Am I on a path that I feel is a part of my destiny or what I'm called to in life? Um, Am I doing what others expect of me? 
Like, because just because this was your dream choice 10 years ago, doesn't necessarily mean it's still right for you today. So having the time to sit with yourself and do what I call a checkup, um, that's the first most important part because otherwise you can kind of stay on automatic. Now, if you sit with yourself and you find that things bubble up where you are not completely satisfied, Um, Maybe some things are out of alignment in certain areas of your life, whether it's career, fitness, or or work-life balance, wherever that is. Once it bubbles up, I want you to be clear about what is coming up for you. And then the second thing is just being willing to take steps in the direction to make some changes. You don't necessarily have to have it all figured out. When I said, hey, I'm going to let passion and purpose lead the way, I didn't even know what I was passionate and purpose. I didn't know what I was passionate about. So I, the next step after that was I had to ask myself, what are you passionate about? Do you know? Um, And pay attention to what were the things that interest me? I, I wanted to, I even asked myself questions of what would you do for free? Like, it, because if, if something excites you enough that you would actually do it and not get paid, then yeah. potentially you're in your passion zone. Yeah, yeah. I love how you, uh, and, and we should take note of that, of how you just said, be willing to take the steps. Because I think, you know, passion or purpose starts to come from an actual step that you are taking. It's, it doesn't always just come in there while we're sitting, sitting around kind of watching yeah. Netflix, does it? So going back to when you decided to make that shift, um, like, and I know you talk about um, either on podcast or in your book, which we'll get to in a few minutes about kind of moving yourself from that comfort zone outside of that comfort zone to be willing to take those steps. What does that look like for somebody? Maybe somebody sitting there listening And going, Hey, you know, I'm in, I'm in this rat race and I'm not sure. Is it my mind telling me I don't like this? Is it actually that I don't like this? Like what's that process to move and explore that, that whole space. So I'll start with um, my definition of the stretch, because what it's going to require of you is to be a willing yes to the stretch. Now, my definition of the stretch is the expansion that will be necessary for you to become the best version of yourself. Another definition is, it is the territory that is outside of your comfort zone. And as you move toward that dream, the stretch is the zone that you're in. So it's outside of the comfort zone and it's moving towards the dream. So first I wanted to define the stretch. What I know for sure, Adam, is every, iconic dreamer that I've ever interviewed and myself um, that has been on a journey to greatness, achievement, it always requires at some point a willing yes to that stretch. And so I want the the listeners that are listening, you're going to have to have a willing yes to that stretch. Now, what that stretch may look like for you, you, you will know and, and the way that you will know is, one, it's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. It's the area that you probably will become fearful and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. Um, maybe I should go back and just stay doing what I'm currently doing. For me, working at IBM Global Services, what my first stretch looked like was, I know this is not 
the right career for me. And so I am going to take a leap of faith and leave this job and then go discover what is my purpose. So I can remember writing my resignation letter and my heart was beating fast. I was, that was me being in the middle of my first stretch. Um, but you have to be courageous enough to be willing to step into the stretch to start realizing the dreams that are within your heart. Yeah, I love that. So roll the tape. As you started, you wrote that resignation letter. You you went off on your own. What, what does that first 90 days look like for you when you take that step out there? What are the feelings you're going through? And then how does somebody stay on 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 tack and trust the process during that first time when they take that stretch goal now and i do want to say this everyone stretch is not going to be about writing a resignation and quitting your job i don't want all the listeners to think that everybody's path is different maybe your stretch will be um to actually create a business you know or maybe your stretch will be to move into another job, but before you move, you will have your job. So I just want to like say yeah. that. But for me, during that period, what the stretch looked like was, well, actually, I'm going to now kind of take you through some of the phases that I know that are, are a part of the stretch, the dream phase. So one, allowing yourself time to get a vision of what it is that you can see for yourself. Now, that vision may not be crystal clear. At the time when I turned in that resignation letter, the vision for me looked like landing a job opportunity in a field that aligned back to my interests. And my interest at that time was entertainment, project management, things that serve the multicultural community. And that's about as clear as I had it. So phase one is I want to make sure that you allow yourself that time to dream and get a little bit of a picture of what is the vision that you're about to move towards. That's phase one. Phase two is designing a plan. And um, inside of that plan, I ask yourself questions in order for me to achieve this vision, what are necessary steps that I can take over the next 90 days? that moves me towards that vision. Now, I didn't do this at the time, but I also wanna challenge you, make sure that the goals that you set for that 90 day period, that they're measurable so you can hold yourself accountable. So for me at the time, <clears throat> it was, I'm gonna go to three conferences and network. Um, it was, I'm gonna have informational meetings with people that are in the field and ask them, boldly ask them if they could make referrals for me. Um, it was every day I'm going to research a new career so that I'm increasing my knowledge on what the possibilities are that's out there that could potentially align to the career that I desire. So those were goals that yeah. were on my 90-day list. And it just so happened that it was at a conference that I ended up meeting someone that changed the trajectory of, of my career. So design is phase two. Another thing that will be required of you, the third phase is about daring. And so when you're in a stretch, it's not comfortable mm -hmm. um, and you will be required to make some daring moves. 
And so for me, what one of those moves look like is I actually pitch myself to Kimora Simmons and Russell Simmons and told them I would be willing to work with you for no fee in exchange for an opportunity to learn the business. Now, at the time, there were numerous businesses in entertainment that they were leading. And, you know, that was a big, bold, daring, unconventional move. Um, and it was not a, a move that my grandparents, you know, they didn't, my grandma in particular, she thought it was a big, <laughs> stupid move. Um, and then the last phase is being willing to do the dream for the long term. So, you know, I didn't realize it when it was happening, but I was actually going through the phases that I now, you know, later wrote about to pass the blueprint to other dreamers, but I was going through those phases. And fast forward, left the job at IBM Global Service. I did land an opportunity at an entertainment company, Rush Communications. I started by volunteering. Within one year of volunteering, I went from a volunteer to general manager. And then later I was required to stretch again and I ventured out and started Igami Group, which is a company now that is headquartered in New York City. So it was numerous stretches over and over again um, that led me to the point where I am today. That's wonderful. You know, you remind me of, I think Walt Disney, didn't Walt, when he moved out to Hollywood, like start just, he entered, I don't know if you've ever read his story, but he actually entered himself into, just like you did, he actually went in there and just showed up at the film studio one day, started working. And then like two weeks later, people were like, who is this guy? And he was working without a paycheck and they actually ended up hiring him. And that's how he actually got his entire kind of film career. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, what, uh, where, two things for follow-up for that. Where do people fail in those phases? Um, you know, when you, when you think about you're laying the, the blueprint out in the big stretch, right? In your book, The Big Stretch. When you're laying that out, where do people fail you see the most? And where could you help somebody say, this is going to show up, just be prepared to be able to work through this because this has been the hardest part uh, or is there a hard part for everybody? Um, I think everyone's journey looks different. I will tell you some of the things that are just coming up for me right now. I think um, one area where people fail is in the dreaming phase, when you're thinking about what's possible for you and you're thinking about your vision, if you start to think about how too prematurely, you will start to shrink your vision before it even gets a chance to e evolve. You're not gonna know every step of yeah. how in the beginning. And if you try to force yourself to know the how in the beginning, all you're gonna do is shrink the, the vision down to something that you know is attainable. So I always like to say, don't think about that how too prematurely, let it be a big vision. Because in my opinion, you're leaving room for the miracles. You're, you're leaving room for the growth and you're leaving room for the stretch and you're leaving room for the divine, for God to partner with you in, in achieving. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing I would say is mistaking the fear as a stop sign. So when you get ready to go into a stretch, there's usually so much that comes up for you. Um, and, and, and for me, it's always something that I can like literally feel in my body. 
where I get uncomfortable. I can be scared. I, I will talk myself through it in my brain. I'll analyze it. Being aware that when you're in that stretch, be aware, almost observe yourself and do not let the fear serve as a stop sign to you. Because for analytical people, you can actually be in the stretch, right? And when all of those things that can go wrong come up for you, you can actually say, you know what? This is a sign. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stop and I'm not going to go forward with it. Mastering, mastering the fear being there, but still going forward anyway. And I'll, I'll just give you an example. I mean, because it happens so many times when I'm in a stretch, but I had an office in New York City. I was in Chelsea. And I think the capacity of that office was like 20 people, right? And then I had a vision that I wanted to grow and, and secure office space that would allow us to almost triple. Found the real estate, went through it, Right before I was getting ready to sign on the dotted line to take over this real estate, everything you can think about that came in my mind, are you sure? Can you maintain this for the long term? Are you going, are you going to stretch the business beyond the means that it can afford right now? Everything came up. And then I remember sitting in my prayer closet because I, I actually uh, pray every morning. And I remember having this thought. It's up to you if you want to receive this blessing. It's your choice. Mm. Now, if you think the blessing is just going to come and it's, it's going to like be easy, no, you have to make the choice to go through the door, even in the midst of knowing all of these things that could go wrong. So which one do you want to do? Do you want to stay in Chelsea in the smaller office or do you want to expand? I chose expansion and that expansion required some faith. That expansion required me to like be nervous again, but that's that feeling that comes up. And, and so to answer your question, a mistake that I see in dreamers is when they have that choice, if they shrink and go back because you know the fear is just so loud. So mastering, taking action to move towards expansion in the midst of fear, it's something that will have you live a life that continues to evolve you into new versions of yourself. I love the billboard of don't let fear be your stop sign. That's that's yeah. wonderful because that's it certainly can for a lot of people. You talked a little bit about this. How do how does one separate or how do you go about separating the the emotions that are there from who you are? Because I think a lot of people, in order to not be, allow fear to be the stop sign, you almost, you talked about how you observe yourself. How do you, how do you, what steps do you do or, or do you follow a process um, um, that allows you to separate yourself from the emotions or what you're feeling? It doesn't mean you don't feel it. You just don't become it. You don't Velcro yourself to it. Mm -hmm. The follow-up question to that is, uh, what does your prayer practice look like each day? And does that have something to do with you being able to separate yourself from that? Yeah. Oh, great question. So I'm going to say a few things here that is a part of my practice. First and foremost, being self-aware of what's coming up constantly, especially when you're about to be in the midst of a stretch is important. And 
when those voices come up, because they will, I'm telling you, <laughs> they will. And for me, sometimes they keep me up all night long. I'm, I'm, I worry. It's just, I think I get it from my grandmother. <laughs> when that's happening, I do a number of things. One, I have what I call dream champions. Dream champions are people that are within your life that you need to go to when you're being called to do something, they will reflect back to you the, your potential to achieve it. So I have a few dream champions out there that I'll call and say, hey, I'm thinking about this, but I'm scared for this reason, I'm scared for this reason. <clears throat> and literally the dream champion, if, if you choose the right one, will reflect back to you a possibility. Yeah, you said this, but I know you could do this. Yeah, you said this, but I know da 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 da. Being in the presence of a dream champion can almost take you out of that state. So know who your dream champions are. Make a list of them so that when the moments happen, you're ready. I have one. Her name's Karen Malone, and she has been with me on this journey for 17 years. And I call her in those moments of fear, and she's always right there. You know pumping me up. That's one thing. The other thing is feed yourself sources of information constantly, feeding your mind, body, and spirit that can almost jolt you out of that state of fear. And so for me, maybe it's listening to a certain song. <clears throat> maybe it's listening to a motivational speaker. Yeah. I, I will do whatever it takes to kind of pull myself out of it. And then you ask about my prayer practice. Um, so for me, in the morning, I have a prayer closet. Um, I ground myself and try to start my day. What does the prayer in, closet look like? I'm just trying to get an image. Of what, is, <laughs> is there a chair in there? Is there clothes? Is it like an empty closet? I'm just. I have a couple of prayer closets. So the one, my prayer closet that I have here in New Jersey, literally, I go into my closet and sit on the floor period. So it's closed yeah. all yeah. around me, awesome. but my Bible is in there yeah. and um, it's my private place. Yeah. Um, I also have a prayer closet uh, in Georgia in, in this cabin that I absolutely love. Now that prayer closet is special because I have scriptures mm. posted up all over, um, but I, you can make a prayer closet wherever you are. It's yeah. just about going into a place that you know, this is your place of worship. So I go in, I pray, I journal. I, I really just try to set my, my spirit um, on a higher power that I'm able to evoke that I know that God actually dwells within me. So it's a spiritual practice to get in tune with the God that is within me. Um, and those are the things that I do. I worship, you know, I listen to gospel music, um, but being in tune with that practice it keeps you connected with the higher power so that you're not going about the journey in your own strength. If I tried to go about this journey in my own strength, I, I would definitely have not made it here. Yeah. I love the use of the word devotion there. What does spirituality mean to you? Spirituality to me, um, I'm going to define it for me. And I Absolutely. think it'll be different for everybody yeah. else. I, I think my moment when I develop a personal relationship with God, Jesus Christ, a personal one, not my grandmother, 
Yeah. Not, you know, what someone else told me, it was my personal relationship. And being able to be in that relationship on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute basis is spirituality to me. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What does the ego mean to you? Or how would you define ego in your life? Ego to me is, ego to me is, um, I, this is, nobody's ever asked me. This is a good question, Adam. I think if, if something comes up or if I'm in a situation, right, and I'm doing something, I kind of ask myself, why are you doing this? Is this for you? Is it like making you feel better? And or is this tied to service? or for others. So when I ask myself that, if, if it's service and others, I, I feel like if that's not grounded in ego. Yeah. It's, it's grounded in serving the world. It's grounded in allowing God to use me in any, in any way that he has. Yeah. If it's personally for me, um, it's a different feeling for me, if, if, if that makes sense. Well, I did have a question I wanted to go back to where you, you talked, you, you skipped over this in about three seconds, but you said you volunteered for a year. Were you being paid anything during that year or were you just dedicated that year to being there and you just had faith that it was going to work out? I, I wanted to ask that question. So for nearly five months, I just volunteered and I did whatever was needed, like yeah. whatever was needed. And in that process, I became needed. <laughs> yeah. And it led me to then negotiating a deal. And once I um, negotiated that deal, then I moved up the ranks in the, in the six months to yeah. general manager pretty quickly. But for five months, five awesome. to six months, it yeah. was just uh, what, it, what I refer to now as keeping my head down. It was just working and it, you know, People hear that now and and think, were you crazy? But really, being willing to volunteer and serve, it changed my life. It it opened a door and it put me on another path. And it led to a career-changing opportunity. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. When you go, when you think about your definition of the ego, and thank you for sharing yours, how do you, how does one, or how do you separate service, but also running a business? Because you can always be in service, but there are hard things that happen in business, right? Like firing somebody or hiring somebody, or I mean, owning a business is dealing with people, right? And that's what leadership is. And then there's also a profitable component that has to be in order for a business to be there, unless you have a nonprofit, but even nonprofits have to be profitable to a certain extent or raising money to be able to do it, which is a form of revenue. So how do, how do people when they're listening, they're going, okay, I want to be in service, but I need to make money right? Like how, how do you rationalize that with yourself or what, what would be the, the, your comment to, uh, to my question? Well, I think let's go with the service first. Yeah. What's very, very important. Um, if you're individual and or a business is knowing the purpose of what you're doing and why. So at our company at Igami group, 
there is a purpose that's grounded in the mission statement of the company that it's grounded in why we're doing what we're doing. And so we are working with Fortune 50, Fortune 100 brands to activate their brand purpose to drive impact in the world. So like we're very clear on our why of the business. Our focus happens to be multicultural. And so our North Star, the campaigns that we're doing, it's making the world a better place for people of color. So whether it's going in and fighting health inequities in communities of color or going in and, and redefining the definition of beauty so that women of color feel beautiful, um, it always needs to map back to that why. So for us, that's the service component of it. Knowing how and what you're doing, how is it serving others? How is it serving the world? That's the service component. Now, inside of that, yes, when you're running a business, eventually you have to also figure out the business model associated with your vehicle of service to make sure that it is able to be monetized because we do live in a world, right? Where for the greater good, and the way I look at it is for the greater good of the company and for me to be a good steward, for my team members, our you know employees, we must figure out a business model that allows us to pay our employees, pay them well, keep the lights on, and hello, also do so in a way that is profitable. And if you haven't figured that out, you have to surround yourself with others that can um, help you figure that out. And, and even as a small business owner, I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, and I'm being very intentional to surround myself with leaders that understand the business model of agency that will support us in becoming more profitable. How do you deal with business situations where they're in conflict to, they support the vision, but they're not supporting the business model? And how do you deal with those situations? Okay, give me an example. Like, give me yeah, an so, example. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you have an employee who is perfectly aligned with your vision, but they're not holding up to in the bargain in terms of they're, uh, they're not performing at the highest level they need to be with inside the organization, but they are 110 out of 100 in terms of supporting the, the vision and the vehicle for your service. How do you go about dealing with those situations and those people? I think a lot of people, I love by the way, how clear you are in your, in your vehicle and in your, in your, in your vision for what you're doing in the form world. It's just, it's wonderful to hear that and the clarity there. And then I think people have that clarity, they have a sense of that. And then they have these people that don't always, that maybe support it. Um, and so there's always one of those two scenarios that we tend to get. So how would you deal with that situation where somebody is 110 out of 100 on the vehicle and the service of that, but is performing at not the level that you need them to? So we worked with a business advisor um, for years and he had a system and, and this system is is actually, uh, I think it's global. So if you want to look it up, it's an entrepreneur operating system. Awesome. Um, and we had a facilitator that worked with us. And one of the things that we would do is, number one, we hire um, 
based on a core value alignment first and foremost. So I learned over a period of time, a core value alignment is very important. And if, if someone doesn't fit your core value, they can disrupt your entire company culture. So that's priority number one, core value alignment. Now, after you get a core value alignment, in order for someone to serve on the team, they need to get it. So that means intellectually, they understand the components and the responsibility that comes with that job. They have the skill set to do the job. They need to want it. And so just because someone can do a job doesn't necessarily mean they want that job. If they want it, that's where you're going to have the passion and the fire to do it. And then the last thing is, as, as a business owner, you need to make sure they have the capacity to do the job. Because a lot of times, and we've ran into this, where it's so much work, it's more work than resources. So how can you expect someone to fully do the job in excellence if you haven't given them the capacity? And those are the, those are the four components that we look at from a quarter perspective, every quarter, kind of looking at the team, doing an assessment of core value alignment still there, check. Skill set, can they do the job? Check. Do they want the job? Check. Do they have the capacity? And there's a scoring system with that. Well, if someone comes up below that scoring system, then it allows our executive leadership team to focus in and say, Let's take a look at what's happening here. And then I, it's your job to support them in getting them aligned. So, you know, do you need to support them in getting more skills? Do you need to make more capacity or potentially hire another resource? And there's a phase in doing that to see if, you know, what can you do to get them back in the highest potential of get it wanted capacity in the core value alignment. Now, if you, once you do what you got to do with giving the feedback, a 30-day message, you know, a 90-day message, there's a responsibility for the greater good of your company. If that person is not achieving, it's actually in service to you, it's in service to your company, and it's in service to the person if yeah. you have to make changes. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that answer. Well, you're, you know, you're the CEO of a, um, one of the most successful multicultural um, organizations for agency that's out there. Did you always have that clarity of your vision that you kind of, you talked about earlier? Um, or did that come through the work that you've done that you've laid out in your book? It came through the work and a process. And, yes. you know, that's why I, I wanted you all to know, like, you don't, that picture isn't as clear as you think when you start the journey. But over time, the beauty of, of living a life where you're moving towards your dream and your purpose is, it's exciting because it unfolds. It's like living in a movie. So absolutely not. I had no idea when I, I made the move from Minneapolis to New York and started volunteering at that entertainment company. I had no idea that one year later, I would actually secure a major role. I had no idea that at some point I was going to go off and start this other company. Even when this company was started, I really did not have a clear identity of what it was going to become. 
Yeah. Um, the only thing that has been the constant is the willingness to stretch over and over again and the willingness to let purpose and passion lead the way. I love that. Well, your new book, The Big Stretch, 90 Days to Expand Your Dreams, Crush Your Goals and Create Your Own Success. What was the catalyst for putting all this on paper? Well, about um, maybe about seven years into my dream journey, um, I noticed that others would come to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? I'm thinking about doing this. And I wanted a way to serve those individuals. So we created a forum called the Dream Project. And the Dream Project uh, was a symposium that we host annually. Um, We hosted it in Atlanta for a number of years. And I would bring in iconic dreamers and ask them, share the blueprint. So it was a it was kind of like inspirational combined with courses. We yeah. brought in Magic Johnson, yeah. um, Jennifer Fleiss, the founder of Rent the Runway. I mean, just some really amazing Issa uh, Ray, some really amazing dynamic iconic dreamers, and they would share their stories. And um, the Dream Project went on for a number of years, and it's actually still going on. Um, but I was approached by an agent that says, hey, if you could take the dream project and all of the key learnings and actually turn it into a book, you could actually be servicing more, you know, more than than the people that attend the dream project. So the goal was to package the dream project in a book format that would serve others in realizing their dreams. So then I was able to like, all of those interviews that we did over the years, analyze what's the universal truth that's the commonality amongst all of these dreamers and that is the 12 week 90 day blueprint that you get um and so it's almost like being able to take key learnings from 200 iconic dreamers and apply it to yourself but i didn't want it to just be an inspirational book like week after week after week there are exercises so you can you almost are like signing yourself up for a dreamers boot camp. Yeah. And I love the phases in the book and the, the, the blueprint that it actually is. And we'll, we'll link that to all of our show notes as well, too. Two final questions for you. One, are you afraid of death? Oh man, you got good questions, Adam. <laughs> um, I'm not, no, yeah, I'm why. not. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you two reasons why I'm not. I can honestly say that from the age of 26, I had a conversation with God and I basically said, I'm giving you my hand, lead the way, whatever it is you would have me do, I'll do. It was this complete surrendering of my life. And um, I can honestly say that after that moment, for nearly two decades now, I've lived my life in service to others and where I've allowed him to do whatever it is he wanted to do with this life. And I think that's the purpose of life. And so I think I've lived a life of purpose, on purpose. And with that, I I just feel that whenever my time is up, that I'll know that I lived it with intention. Um, on purpose. 
And the other reason why now I'm definitely not afraid. <laughs> um, my grandmother was my best friend in the whole world. I love her. I, I, well, I love her. I'm not even going to use past tense. And um, I lost my grandmother in the pandemic. Um, and it was, it was probably one of the most painful things in my life. But here's the thing that I believe. I truly believe that one day I'll see her again. And I, I don't think I have to wait to that day because I can feel her now. But in my mind, I know there will be a day that we are united again. And for that, I'm like, I'm really good now because I'm like, my girl, my girl's going to be right there. Like, let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. If you don't mind, could you elaborate a little bit on your conversation when you were 26 that you had with God? I'm just really curious about that. Yeah. Adam, I had made a mess. Um, <laughs> and I, I hate to say it. I hate, I mean, no, it was, I had made a mess of, of, of my life and um, I, I was at rock bottom. Hmm. Um, and I knew I was, when you hit the bottom, you know, you're at the bottom. Um, I knew I was at the bottom and I won't even go into all of those details. Um, but I knew I hit the bottom and my, my stepdad said to me, he shook me and he said, Nisha, it's very, very important where you are right now. You can never come back to this place again. And that was like jolting to me. I was at the bottom, but I was thinking, well, shoot, if I could just get up, I just, I don't want to come here again. And so because of that, and I was at the bottom, I started to read um, different books, different spirituality books. One that I read was by T.D. Jakes. And I was reading this book on a plane. And the name of the book was Daddy Loves His Girls. But it, it actually... It almost was like the first time that I thought of, of, of God as a, a figure that cared about me and loved me so much that it was like a parent-child relationship. Yeah. And I just, I just remember being on the plane and I admitted like, I have made a mess of my life. <laughs> and then the second okay. thing... The second thing I said was, I've done it my way. Like, I have done it my way. I wonder what will happen if I try your way, God. And right behind that, it was a decision. I'm going to give you my hand and I'm going to let you rock out because I can't trust myself because the decisions that I make on my own, they landed me at the bottom. And I feel like that's when God and I, we became homies. <laughs> it sounds like a, a wonderful surrender. Um, yeah. Allowing, there's a natural gradient flow of life, right? Like water always goes downhill. We can always pick it up with a pail and bring it uphill, but it always returns downhill. So there's always a natural gradient of life. And I think life in itself goes much smoother when you find that natural flow. That natural, it doesn't mean there's not challenges. It just means that we have the ability to pick up the water, but it's a lot easier if we just go with the gradient of it. And that's a, that, that takes a, a real surrender of the ego to be able to do that. So well, congratulations. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. You are good, by the way. <laughs> Is there any, <laughs> any final message that you would want to leave with our audience? Parting words? 
Um, I would just say that know that the dreams that are calling you, right? Mm -hmm. I believe dreams are almost connected to you being able to fully express yourself in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so it's not by chance if there's a certain thing that's calling to your spirit or that you're wanting to do like these are tied to your destiny and your why yeah. in terms of during this moment in time that we're, we're here. And so, you know, lean into what those callings are and be courageous enough to say yes to the stretch um, because there's so many different versions of yourself that is waiting to meet you <clears throat> in this lifetime. I love that. What a beautiful message. Tanisha, thank you so much for being with us today. I know our audience um, is going to love this episode and we're going to link all of your stuff to uh, show notes. Is there any particular place you want to say, hey, if you want to check out what we're doing, uh, where should people go? You can go to thebigstretchbook.com. Many of the exercises that are in the book are downloadable. You can get the book anywhere books are so and then you can stay in contact with me on social at tanisha j warner so at t-e-n-e-s-h-i-a j warner on instagram awesome thank you so much for being here Well, thanks for listening and hanging with us today. If you like this episode and you find somebody that may be going through an industry change or somebody that has needed a new direction, they just need a little pick me up. Love for you to share this episode, write a review, leave a comment. I know it's kind of a pain in the butt to do that, but you can share it very easily. That takes like seven seconds. So find somebody that you would love to share this episode with, and we'd greatly appreciate getting our message out there. 